Welcome to the Coaching DNA Podcast. I'm your host, Travis Wyckoff. I'm also the founder of Kingdom Coaching, my consulting business in which I coach leaders. My guest this week is Jenny Williams. Jenny is the soccer coach at University of Nevada, Las Vegas. During part one of my conversation, we discuss her reasons for coaching, the coach that had the biggest impact on her, her program values, and much, much more. Jennifer is uh, super fiery and passionate, as you will hear all throughout this, uh, this podcast. So without further ado, my conversation with Jenny Williams. Jennifer, thanks for um, taking time today to, to hang out with us. I'd love for you to walk us through your journey from high school to present day. Okay. Um, so I grew up in sunny California, Corona, California. And always played um, soccer. I played. Uh, I had to move out of the Orange County area into the Inland Empire. Um, but I started playing for a club called Southern California Blues, which is a very prestigious club in California, and it's an all-female club ran by some amazing um, coaches there. And they allowed me to stay on the club um, when I moved away inland um, because. We actually had to move inland because of financial difficulties with my family. Um, so we we moved in and and my my mother sacrificed so much for me to continue to commute down to SoCal to play for that club. And it was through that club that I was, which is my high school time, that I was able to have the opportunity to get recruited um, to the University of Nevada, Las Vegas, which is where I played. Um, and really the reason I went to UNLV um, wasn't anything spectacular. It was because we were in such financial need and, and they were the coach there at the time. They, they were willing to give me what I needed, even based off of having an ACL, um, you know, having an ACL, uh, injury and, and during that recruiting time. Um, so I came to UNLV, um, at 17 years old, cause I was a very young graduate and, um, played here, for four years in my second year here at UNLV. And I say here because I'm the current coach at UNLV, but um, in my second year at UNLV, uh, I got the opportunity to play for the Mexican national team. So I went down to Mexico for my trial and that had been just a really big dream of my life. I always knew I was going to be some type of old woman playing in the co-ed leagues, um, you know, with a cane and, and still hobbling around because I loved it so much. And uh, so I went down to Mexico and I immediately was, I, they loved me. I don't mean for that to sound prideful or anything, but you know, it just, it was all working out. Everything seemed so fantastic. So um, I made the team and then they um, invited me to um, a tournament in Australia during our winter break time here. I went to Australia and not only did I travel with them, my first international cap, at the age of 19, it was also the first time I got to start. So I started um, against Sweden and the very first half of the game, I tore my ACL on my other leg um, and kind of started to feel like, whoa, questioning why would this happen when everything so it's so great happening in my life? Like, you know, why God? And um came back home and that's when my faith really began to grow as a believer um, read through like the gospels, just so hungry and devoured them. Um, but it was actually through my injury that, um, you know, being in Vegas, I was quite a heathen 
Uh, and I'm very much like attack and conquer type person. And that's how I was with anything I wanted. And there was, um, this will be a little bit of a love story here. Uh, someone on the swim team that I, I, for lack of a better term, I, I wanted. <laughs> and so, um, but he wanted nothing to do with me. And, uh, and everyone said he would never, never want anything to do with a girl like you because he was of a Christian. And so that's, that really, uh, allowed me to evaluate my life, but it was through my injury that I finally was able to, to speak with him for the first time. And we started a relationship and he's now my husband. Um, and he's just a fantastic human being. Um, so fast forward, I went through rehab and got back to, um, play the Pan American games with the Mexican national team. Um, and I actually played for the Mexican national team from the age of 19 all the way to 33, but there's many gaps in there. And I'll explain that as well. So I'm giving you the fast versions, not to bore you too much. Um, Good. So uh, there came a time where I felt like soccer was consuming me so much. And I was really just so hungry for my life to be not about that and, and about something a bit more. And that was where my my the change of my faith came and when I was with the Mexican national team in 2004, we qualified for um, the Olympics, the Athens Olympics, for the first time the Mexico had ever qualified, and they have not qualified since. Um, so we beat Canada, played the U.S., and this was the U.S. women's national team when it had, you know, your Abby Wambach, your Mia Hams, like it was um, the old uh, women that I looked up to um, here when I was growing up. Um and everyone was hyping me like, you're going to the Olympics, you're going to Olympics. And it was really a time where I was like, no, I, I don't want that. So instead of going to the Olympics in 2004, I, for, I, I put that aside and I went on my very first mission trip to um, West Africa and I worked with literacy in a tribe there. Um, and so then I came back, finished my senior year. You know, I mean, you can imagine how um, my coach at the time had pulled his hair out. The swim coach, everyone was going crazy, wondering what I was doing. Um, but obviously seeing a change in my life. And then uh, after that, got married um, to my husband, who is amazing. I'll always keep saying that. And I adore him so much. And had uh, two kids. We moved to Brazil. We worked as missionaries. Um, and then we came back very abruptly from Brazil. And mind you, I had had my son in Brazil. I have two kids now. Um, and I went to the gym because uh, I love to work out. And I was watching the 2011 World Cup and I was watching Mexico play. And I was watching all the girls I used to compete with still playing. And I stayed on the treadmill for the entire 90 minutes of the game. They were playing Japan. And every time a girl in my position would like thrust forward, I would soup up the treadmill and go fast. And I stayed for, for 90 minutes. And afterwards, I was like, that was fun. Like, I felt like I was with them. So I came back for every game of group play that Mexico played. And I ran 90 minutes on the treadmill with the team. Cool. Uh, and then afterwards, and mind you, this is two ACLs. This is, I haven't touched a ball. Like I still have my college cleats and like, you know, the evolution of cleats in seven years. It was, this is seven years later. I, I told my husband, I was like, I can't get this itch out of my mind. Like I knew God had taken soccer away and he's like, I, I think he's bringing it back. I want to go play again. And he, he didn't think I was crazy. So, uh, contacted Mexico and, and I came back in, uh, I had to pay my way because they were not going to take a chance on this old lady. Uh, so I went back and I ended up making, uh, the Pan American team. And then I went to the 2015 world cup. 
in Canada, I was uh, an allocated player in the the National Women's Soccer League. So it's our pro league in our country right now, the NWFL. Um, so just like amazing things uh, came back into my life through, through everything with soccer. And so um, once I officially retired, I was at the age of 33 and uh, I spent my whole, so much of my life playing soccer. And I had a teaching background. I had done a program called Teach for America and, and did grad school after UNLV. And what better way to marry um, teaching uh, along with the sport I I just spent so much time with than coaching. So I started coaching. I started coaching little oh girl. Is this going too long? Should I speed it up? Or are we good? That's You're okay. great. I love You're it. Feeling it. Okay. I'm super so, curious where we're headed. So yeah. Where we're headed. Okay. So I then I started coaching uh, younger players, and I, I had been coaching in order to kind of supplement our income, you know, because it's not super lucrative to be a women's soccer player and raise a family. Uh, So I was coaching younger players, went through my licensing. And then I just, once my career went away, as far as my playing career, I started getting a little crazy on my younger players because I just have this competitive nature. Now, I wasn't, I realized when I was self-reflecting, oh my gosh, that's because I'm not, I don't have an outlet. I can't go and like, hit someone and play and then come be a little gentle coach. Like I was like, we are, I was with the eight year old girls, like, let's go, you know? And my husband said, I think it's time for you. You need some older players. And, you know, I didn't feel very confident because I had become an expert in the youth um, realm. Uh, So then I was like, let's go. You know, we slowly started to progress uh, eventually uh, going from Cal State Northridge to Oregon State and then back to my alma mater here at UNLV, where I currently coach. Um, so in a nutshell, that's high school to where I am currently in with the realm of soccer, if if that makes sense. And you've been at UNLV since, did, were you there the 2020 season? I've been here. So COVID was my first year here. So it was, it's been four years. So it had been the fall of 2020 was your first year. Um, the, when did COVID, would you say 2019, 2019, so after the fall, COVID was in the spring where everything kind of shut down. So I was there entering a spring. I came through a spring season. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. And then we had a, a, a canceled fall and, and you know how all that goes. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, was there a moment, was there a season that you thought, I think I, I think I want to coach. I think I want to do this for a living. Um, if you asked me when I was younger, I would have said, no way I'm not going to be a coach, you know? Um, it, it was, it was only because of forced. I wasn't like, didn't have this strong desire to coach. It was because I, I had to support myself and, and it, and that's how I could make money was coaching while training, um, as a, as a professional athlete. And so I'm assuming that, so you start out coaching to put food on the table. I'm assuming something yeah. just kept stirring in you because you're still doing it. Yeah. I think, um, I'll tell you the difference. Cause I, I mentioned that I coach younger players mm-hmm. and then I coach what I coach now. I coach uh, college age women. So the younger players, you just see so much growth right away and, and, and it fills your bucket completely. Like you're like, I'm, I'm doing, and the way that some of the parents share their gratitude is just, you just like, yes, like I, I love, 
I love what I'm doing. I feel like I'm purposeful. And when you get to the older ages, and especially when you get to more of a results-oriented time frame, which is definitely collegiate athlete, you know, the, what I'm in right now, you don't get those feel goods as much unless mm-hmm. it's from that temporary high of a win. Um, but something I experienced most recently was I had my first like four-year class where I had them from freshmen and, and they just exited. Yeah. And the way they spoke in the last game of the season, like after the game and, and their joy and passion and gratitude was like, okay, that's, that could make me last a while. Like that was pretty special. Yeah. And you, and it's coming from the mouth of, the, of these athletes rather than the parent, you know, or the product of what you're seeing. Yeah. yeah that's cool. So, um, who, who had the biggest impact on your coaching? Like if we were to watch you coach, how you, um, navigate, yeah, how you handle people, maybe maybe even X and O's. Is there somebody that you played for that was a bigger impact than than the others? Because obviously, I'm guessing you played for quite a few coaches in pro- professional soccer with the college uh, club, the Mexico national team. Yeah, who was your who was the uh, greatest influence on you? Yeah, I think all of them played such a huge part. But the coach I, especially when I originally started coaching, wanted to emulate um, and just stole all of my ideas from them. And teaching, they say good teaching is stealing. That's okay. You know, so uh, his name's Tad Boback and he is, uh, he's Brazilian and he coached me my whole youth career. So he was probably the coach I had the longest um, and very foundational, but he developed um, this whole philosophy of soccer it's like he calls it the seven powerful parts of soccer and it's evolved to this day you know I see him when I go out recruiting because he's still at the club and he'll grab me and he'll quiz me like as if I was 12 again you know uh, and gets me all nervous and sweating in every like my armpits and leg pits and all of that um but he's just brilliant and he always he did it because he said uh, Americans don't watch enough soccer so I have to create this map of of words and and ideas so that you can see the game the way i want it to be taught or or that it's played so he was he was very philosophical and very fantastic yeah um what are your strengths what um yeah the lord's wired you gifted you what are those uh strengths and giftings that allow you to be successful oh Successful is uh, the verdicts out on that. I'm <laughs> grinding every day for like what would be success as far as results. But yeah, I think in terms of like uh, using my time with my players as a ministry and growing them, I love the one-on-one time. I think I'm super positive and encourager. I like to tell people when I coach, it's as if I have had 20 cups of coffee. Like, I love it. I'm, I'm high energy, high tempo and high excitement. I mean, yesterday we were out on the field and one of the players threw out a double meg or she just megged and then remade the player. And we all went crazy. Like, I, I love it. I love the joy. I love the game. I love, I love how you can feel like a, a child again when you're playing. I love all of that. Um, so I think that's a strength because because I love it. I told you in the beginning that I wanted to be an old lady playing. Like, I just find so much joy from it. I think God has uniquely designed this sport that brings so much joy. It, it 
cross-cultural. It transcends languages. It's the most popular sport in the whole world. Um, so I think that's a strength. Uh, I see things tactically pretty quick um, because I was always one of those players that was quite versatile and thrown around in different positions. So, so I can see tactical uh, things pretty fast and, and make adjustments. So I, I've found that to be a, a strength. Yeah. Um, okay. Let's talk culture, team building values. Yeah. What, um, what are the values? If, if I were to pull all of your athletes, what would they say that coach talks about over and over and over again, or maybe they're on shirts or painted on the wall? I don't know, but yeah. What are the values? Well, I have our, our values that I can share verbatim, but it, the last part of your question was, what would my players say? I know that they have PSD about being on time. <laughs> Constantly, they tell me that. they're Because oh, we always have uh, that, you know, on time. Uh, or early is on time, you know, be first to everything. Um, always be great, you know, different things like that. Uh, you know, we have a... a an idea of one more at our, with our program. And I'll, I'll explain that a little bit. So when I took over the program, I just felt like there was a bit of a, a spirit of like mediocrity, you know, like just, and we developed this idea of, of just going beyond doing like there's trash on the ground. I don't care whose it is, pick it up, like do the extra, do the one more. Right. Um, and so we started incorporating like when we were doing fitness, potentially, you know, uh, fitness, I give them five, let's say five reps. And then I just kind of wait there. I wouldn't say they were done or anything and just see what they do or just stare at them a little awkwardly long, you know, wondering like, do you want more? Is this all you want to do? You know, and, and we started talking about, you know, that idea of being the first follower and, and, and things like that. So we started to get to a point where there was one player sheepishly almost was like one day we were on the line and we're doing fitness and she just yelled out one more you know she's just like so nervous to do it and then another girl steps up and she's like yeah let's go one more and then the whole team is like one more and so they sprinted mm. their one more and that was the start of it and now everything they do is is one more they they play this juggling game before uh, we start practice, they come out early and they juggle and it, they'll be having so much fun, but I got to start the session. So I'm like, all right, guys, you get three more tries. You drop the ball three times. We've got to start practice. And then they'll be like, they'll drop and they'll say, well, one more, give us one more, you know, so everything's one more rep, one more rep in the weight room, one more. So that's a bit of, of, of our culture, but we do have like our standard things on the walls, like you mentioned, and our core values and our team identity and, and all of those things as well. What are those values? Run me, run through those real quick. I'd love to hear them. Sure. Um, so it's digs, it's discipline, integrity, grit, that's dig. And then it's a heap of S's. And, and these are biblically based. Um, it's what we went for is selfless, suffer, sacrifice, and serve. And those are my favorite parts of our core values, selfless, suffer, sacrifice, serve. So when you're doing one more, that's not for you to look good and prideful. Mm. You want to suffer and sacrifice and serve your team and, and be able to go the 90 minutes in the game, you know? Um, and then we have our team identity and our team identity is, you know, we have the team identity of the run and rebels, right? So that's like a no quit, no stop 
kind of thing. Um, but then we had this team idea identity that kind of, we looked at the city of Vegas and we actually looked at my time because I'm an alumni at UNLV. And when I first got to the program at UNLV and we took it over, um, there were some coaches, uh, we out, we went out recruiting and there were some coaches that, you know, recognized me and my assistant coach, who is a, one of my really good friends I, that brought on staff with me, recognized us from when we played at UNLV. And they're like, mm-hmm. Oh, and, and at one time there was a, a, a coach that called us cockroaches. He's like, Oh, the cockroaches are here. Uh, when we were out recruiting and I was like, just got to UNLV and like got my sleeves up, you know, because I was like, what is cockroaches? Like, what is this? Um, and I was like, why are you calling us cockroaches? And he's like, no, when you guys played there, everyone in the conference was calling you cockroaches because you guys never died. Mm. Like we'd score and you'd come back and you'd come back. And I was like, yeah, we're cockroaches, you know, <laughs> and I took that story back to the team and they loved it. They're like, yeah, we're cockroaches. So we've identified, we've kind of married that with, with the city that doesn't sleep Vegas. You know, we don't stop. We don't quit. We're 24 seven. We're entertaining. Um, the way the, the, the area where our, our field sits, it overlooks the Las Vegas strip. We're just about a mile from it. Hmm. And so I can take them to the end of the field and overlook the whole strip and we can talk about two things. We can talk about people coming to the city to make horrible choices, right? Or we can talk about the woman that works there that's got two jobs to put food on the on the table for her kid. You know, the woman who who who's making beds and 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 grinding. And that's what Vegas is. We're a grindy blue collar city, and we're gonna represent the people that way. And then going back to the run and rebel time of the '90s, right? They were the people's team. That's what really held captured the hearts of, of America was the running rebels being the people team, you know, you could identify with them. So all that to say, that's a bit of our uh, core values and team identity. I love it. What, what have you found to be the biggest challenge to just, I mean, you, you mentioned some, you know, selfless. um, Yeah. What, 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 yeah. What are the biggest challenges to building your culture, to getting everybody on the same page and moving in the same direction? Um, you know, what's exhausting about it is you, in the beginning, right now, I, I, they say never take your foot off the gas, right? You you should always be gassing a bit, but to be fair, I feel like the, like the, 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 the weeding and the watering and all those things that go into making a beautiful garden, like, and I'm in a season where I can kind of really enjoy the garden and, and look at the fruit. So I'm really grateful for it, but man, it was exhausting because you have to hold everything accountable. You can't let anything slide, especially in a city that I'm in and, and raising women coming from the age of 17 to after COVID 23, that's a very pivotal time in their life. Yeah. And I don't take it lightly. You know, I don't, cause I know those are some really cool decisions I made in life, obviously coming to sin city and becoming a believer, but there are also very regretful times in my life of, of being here at UNLV, um, as a young heathen, I called myself. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So, so you're back to your question. You said like, what were some of the, the, just the challenges of, of building a culture and getting yeah. people to go 
together from point A to Z because um, human nature says, I want mine. I want what's best for me. I don't want to always be held accountable. Yeah. Yeah, I think, well, I went through a coaching course and I was able to hear from um, the head uh, men's soccer coach at Stanford University. And he talked about like that sled dog analogy. I'm sure you've heard that because you mentioned going in the same direction. Mm. Um, so basically he identified with his, his team. You're, you're basically sled dogs and you're, you're all striving to go forward. You can't look right. You can't look left. One dog can't stop and, and take a break. You know, like you're all going and you're mushing and you're driving and you're going forward and you got to go in the same direction. Right. So, and he always says to his players, like noses in the same, like get your nose, right. Get your nose, right. You know, noses going in the same direction. So I literally took that. Uh, day one with my team and I, I put rope on them and I made them like sled dogs. And I made one girl go right, one girl go left, one girl sit down, you know, uh, one girl go backwards. And, and you can see like, you ain't going nowhere. You know, if we want to go somewhere fast and hard and together, and we don't want to do something special. We gotta, we gotta have our noses going in the same direction. So again, that's stealing from him, but I, I just really enjoyed that. And then as you go through this weeding process, you're going to find some players that they don't want to be on your sled dog team. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and, and that hurts sometimes it it can be painful. Um, but it always works out for good for, for both parties potentially. And, and you just keep cruising on and, and, and being grateful for the people that God has put in front of you, um, to mentor. 